Amazing. Good morning. It is good to see your beautiful faces. Welcome home to Legacy Nashville. Um, I just got the sense this morning on the way to church, I was like, today is going to be a good day in church. Anybody else feel that? Did you feel that today? You're like driving here, you're like, wow, today's going to be good. So I'm just filled with expectation. I know that God is good and he so faithfully shows up. Aren't you guys thankful for that? Today, what we're going to be doing is we're moving into a new season. Everybody seems to be off of vacation, coming back, uh, you know, going back to school, settling in again. You know, I was praying, asking the Lord, God, what do you want us to talk about in this new season? And I felt the Holy Spirit move on my heart and say, harvest. I want you to talk about harvest. Now, I know that's kind of cliche because we're moving into the fall, um, but it's what the Holy Spirit told me to tell you guys. So I just want to be obedient, and uh, we're going to talk about harvest for the next probably uh, five, five weeks or so. We have Pastor Nate Edwardson who's coming in. Uh, you guys don't want to miss that Sunday. He pastors a church called The Stirring in Redding, California, and uh, he's become uh, a friend of ours uh, over the years. I've actually spoken for him once before at his young adult services. He's an amazing pastor. He travels a lot uh, with my pastor, Banning Leapshire, and Jesus Culture, and he speaks for Jesus Culture at different events. And Banning says, and I, I know you guys love Banning because he, he's preached here several times, but Banning says, he's like, dude, our church loves Nate. Like he says the same things as me, but everybody likes him more. You know? But he said, dude, you have to have him. Like he's awesome. He's amazing. Everybody loves him at our home church. And so I said, of course, if he's coming into town, we'd love to have him. So I don't want you guys to miss that Sunday. I want you to make preparations to be here for Pastor Nate. I promise you it's going to be worth it. And then on Tuesday, quick plug, worship night. On Wednesday, uh, we put the cap on our summer leadership school. And let me tell you guys, it was like worship night. Because the glory of God showed up in a real special way. Honestly, it was very special. It was special, right? Would, for those of you guys who are here, would you agree? It gives a special thing. Like, how many of you guys, and, you know, just be courageous. How many of you guys were like, that's the furthest? Like, I went in the presence of God in a little bit. Yeah, look at that. That's a handful of you guys. Okay. Amazing. I already got some testimonies from people. Like, whoa. You always know it's a good testimony when they're like, hey, what happened? Whoa. Yes. Enough said. Whoa. You know? And it was. It was awesome. We knighted people. A little extra. But it's all good. You know? So we knighted people. We, uh, we, we lathered them with oil. Yeah, we prayed over them. We, David Wagner was here, uh, prophesied, gave prophetic words to a few folks. Man, it was awesome. So I want you guys to know we're already planning for leadership school next year. Uh, we graduated 105 people, I think it was. And uh, that was a huge goal for us. Last year we said, we said God, uh, we're going to go after discipling 100 leaders. And uh, we graduated 105. So look at, look at how God has been good to us, faithful to us. So I told the church earlier, I said, man, we should have asked for more stuff. 
We, be, we, we asked the Lord for two things. We said, hey, God, you know, we, we, we ask you for a new space for Sunday mornings, and uh, we ask you uh, for 100 power-packed, spirit-filled disciples. And he's already done both, and we're just August 1st. We're like, we should ask for more stuff. So next year, we're already planning for next year. We're already dreaming for next year. So you guys just go ahead and start praying into that now. So uh, today... You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak from the topic of the harvest is here now. The harvest is here now. And uh, when you think about harvest, you're, I can already tell right now you guys are like buckling up and preparing for a word on evangelism. And you're like, oh no. It's going to try to get me to tell somebody about Jesus. Hey, you do know that you're supposed to continue telling people about Jesus after you've been saved for two years. Just gonna let that settle. So that's the second point of the sermon. No, um, I heard a, a church uh, statistician. He was saying that you know people are typically very fired up and passionate about sharing their faith for about two years. That's what they report here in the states. And then after two years, it subsides greatly. We don't tend to talk to people about our faith and tell people about Jesus as naturally after about two years. And so that two-year time frame is a very special time frame. I don't know about you guys, but when I was a new convert, I was very passionate. I was very weird. I would get on your nerves because the only thing I wanted to talk about was Jesus. And if you didn't want to talk about Jesus, I would change the subject and bring it back to Jesus. And then when I'd talk about Jesus, I'd just cry. You know, I'd just cry all the time. I mean, you whisper the name Jesus. I, you know, full box of Kleenex, you know. Uh, they're playing the slow song in service. Everybody's crying, lifting their hands. I'm dancing. I got one of those banners. I got a flag. I'm wet. You know, it's like, what is he doing? You know, I didn't know how to do church, which is a good place to be in. Honestly, I think we need to come back to a place of first love where it's like, hey, man, we don't know what we're doing, but we know who does. We know Jesus, and, and we're going to seek him, and we're going to go after his kingdom, and whatever he tells us to do, we're going to do it. You know, I've decided in my heart I will not be a spiritual entrepreneur as a pastor, does that make sense? Like, I don't want to be a spiritual entrepreneur. I just, I want to, I want to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and let him add all things to us. Amen. So that's what we're going after. And so you talk about harvest, you can't help but to think, talk about evangelism. But I'm going to, I'm basically going to explore the text where Jesus talks about agricultural illustrations. And I'm going to preach from those texts. And today I'm going to preach from John chapter four. And so I want you guys to check out from John four. I'm going to read, you know, the woman at the well story and as I do check the energy of the new con the new convert the newly converted woman at the well the Samaritan woman that Jesus shouldn't have been talking to I want you to check her energy all right because that's the type of passion that I'm praying would fill your soul that's the type of passion that I pray that the Holy Spirit would ignite you with that you couldn't shut up about Jesus that you'd start winning souls for Jesus that you'd start inviting people to church Yes. Don't get quiet after that. <laughs> Most people are willing to go to church with you if you'd invite them. You do know that, right? Yeah. It's true. So John chapter 4, verse 27 through 39, I'm going to read 12 verses of Scripture. Probably going to hang the nail in a different spot than you'd think. But 
we'll dive in. John chapter 4. Just then his disciples came back and they marveled that he was talking with a woman. Why in the world did they marvel at the fact that Jesus was talking to a woman? Jesus went against the grain of the culture of his day. So often, we know that about him. But he went against the grain not only of male and female relationships because it was practically culturally illegal for men and women to talk to each other in public. But Jesus, as a rabbi, took the extra step and was doing ministry to a female by himself in public. I mean, this is really going against the grain of the culture and the religion that Jesus was a part of as a Jewish person. So a rabbi, even today, if you meet a rabbi, they won't touch another woman. Today, all right? This is still true today. Like, uh, I was with my parents. We were in Dallas, and we were meeting uh, some leaders from the Jewish community. And I remember my mom, she, she extended her hand to shake the hand of a rabbi, and he just kind of looked at her. He was like, and she was like, nice to meet you. And he was like, nice to meet you. And then she's like, held it higher to get it into, you know? And he's like, nice to meet you. And, you know, we thought, should we be offended? Did he not want to talk to her? You know, but they said, no, no, don't be offended. That's just the culture. Rabbis don't touch any, um, they don't touch a female uh, except for their wife. So that's still happening today, okay? So in Jesus' day for a rabbi, a rabbi wouldn't even talk to his wife in public. Okay, so whenever it says like the disciples marveled at what he's doing, you have to understand that Jesus here is so countercultural by even holding a conversation with a female, much less a Samaritan, much less an adulteress, much less a woman that the community shunned and looked down upon. Right. And so here you see Jesus having a conversation with her. And uh, the disciples came back and nobody said, what do you seek? Nobody said, why are you talking with her? You know, I think the disciples had arrived at this point where they were tired of challenging Jesus's style of ministry. They just started to get it. You know, Jesus does ministry a little bit different. He goes against the grain of what the church and religion and culture says that he should do. He goes in a different way. He goes in a kingdom way. He goes in a loving way. So they didn't say anything. And so after Jesus saves her, everybody say saves her. Saves her. So the woman left her water jar and she went away into the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? Now, did he actually tell her all that she had ever done? Probably not, right? She she leaves her her water pot. Uh, Why does she leave her water pot? Maybe she was leaving it for Jesus. We know earlier in the text, he said, hey, give me a drink of water, right? Uh, But I think the reason she leaves the water pot is not so that Jesus can refresh himself and his companions, but she leaves the water pot because she now has received a greater water. She's been refreshed. She's been satisfied. Everybody say satisfied. So we know that the woman here, she is both saved. Everybody say saved. Saved. And satisfied. How often are we saved but not satisfied? This woman is saved and satisfied. She has had a sip of the refreshing, life-giving, eternal water that only Jesus Christ can offer. So she leaves behind her water part and she starts to go out to the city and she begins to become a harvester. Come on. She says, come back and meet this guy who told me. Maybe he didn't list everything. But he said enough for her to recognize he knows everything about me. Oh, yeah. Yes. 
Could this be the Messiah? Could this be the Christ? And they went out of the town and they were coming to him. Everybody say harvest. harvest. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, they're starting to look around. Have, has, has somebody brought him something to eat? Did somebody else? Was there a fast food place we didn't know about closer? Who brought him something to eat, right? And he says, he responds. He said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. How many of you have ever been so excited you forgot to eat? You guys know what I'm talking about, right? You're like, man, I'm just too worked up. I can't eat. I'm too pumped, right? Christmas morning. No, I don't want breakfast. I want to open my presents, right? I mean, it's like there's that kind of excitement that can fill you so much. It can satisfy you in, a, in the soul, in the spirit, you know, on your insides that you physically, externally no longer need a meal to satisfy you. Physical dietary needs no longer are important when you are engulfed in a soulful, spiritual passion. You've had a refreshing drink of the life-giving eternal water of Jesus and you say I don't need a subway sandwich I'm already full thank you so much for bringing me that meal guys but guess what I've already eaten who brought him food he said no no see I have food that you know not of it is a food a meal of greater sustenance this is a meal that does not only satisfy the body this is a meal that satisfies the spirit and it is eternal. It is a well of life-giving water. And I have drank of it. And then he goes into a little sermonette. Right? I love Jesus' segues into sermonettes. Jesus is so good at picking the right time to preach. You guys notice that about Jesus? He always has a word in season. Right? He is always prepared to reap a harvest. You know why? Because he always knows that harvest is available. Think about that. He always knows that there is always a harvest, which is why he says what he says next. Do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Do you not say that one day, There'll be a harvest. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life so that the sower and reaper may rejoice together. Now that is a different way at looking at seed time and harvest. That is a different way of looking at sowing and reaping. Wow. This is an eternal way of looking at the harvest. This is a supernatural way of looking at the harvest. And this is a grace-filled way of looking at the harvest. Instead of looking at your own works, instead of examining your own self-perspectives, you're looking supernaturally through the lens of grace at the works of God and you are saying, I don't have to wait around for something that's already here. Yeah. Jesus just had a different perspective. Now I'm not saying, you know, there's not a law to sowing and reaping. There is. You guys got to come back because I'm going to do a whole sermon on that one. Yes. But when you look through a lens of grace, 
It's very different. It's very, very different. And that's what Jesus is trying to explain here to those who are listening. And he said, for here the saying holds true. One sows and another reaps. But I sent you to reap for that which you did not labor. Look at your neighbor and say, that's kingdom. Thank God that I get to reap in a harvest field for which I did not labor. Thank God I've received an inheritance that I didn't have to work for. Thank God somebody loved me enough to sow in a previous generation so that I could receive the rewards that I call my Christianity. My faith, my received faith that somebody prayed for me. That when I was lost, my mama was praying for me. When I was a drug addict, my grandmother was praying for me. That somebody was planting a local church and creating systems and structures so that when I did come home, I had some people to disciple me. Thank God that I get to reap the reward. But in order to live like this, you have to live according to grace. That's a new thing we're doing here. That's a new thing we're doing here. When there's a point, what's a good point? There, we have somebody in the back that hits a gong. It's a new thing. It's a new thing we're doing here, so just get ready. When it's a good point, you'll know. Let's finish this scripture. Others have labored, and you have not entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. Everybody say harvest. Harvest. Jesus, bless the word. Amen. All right. So when you look at this woman, man, this woman to me, guys, is impressive. Anybody else in here? I'm impressed by this woman because she immediately is stirred and develops a passion for the harvest. Now, if you read John chapter four in its entire context, I didn't want to spend that much time today setting it up, but at least she had some type of understanding. She had some type of theological knowledge because, you know, she understood what was going on at the well. She understood that there would be a forthcoming Messiah, but she did not have the type of theological depth that would allow her to disciple, to evangelize, and to reap the harvest of an entire city. And yet she has something greater than knowledge. She has life-giving water that comes from the Spirit. She has something greater than philosophy. She has life-giving water that comes from the Spirit. Some of you guys have been disqualifying yourself from becoming a harvester because you don't think that you've been discipled enough yet. But this woman had one conversation with Jesus in public at the edge of a well and all of a sudden reaps the reward of the harvest of an entire city. What if we had some people in this room that would get more excited about the life-giving water that they already have rather than delay the harvest because of the knowledge that they don't have? You already have what you need to harvest a city. You already have what you need to harvest in your career. You already have what you need to harvest your university. You already have what you need. The harvest is ripe. It's white. It's plentiful. The fields are full. Listen, guys, we don't have a harvest problem. Got 99 problems, but a harvest ain't one. <laughs> Tell you the truth. We don't have a harvest problem. We have a harvester problem. We don't have a revival problem. We have a revivalist problem. We don't have, right? It's the laborers that we need. Jesus never said pray for the harvest. 
He said, pray for laborers to go into the harvest because the harvest is already here. But we're standing in a field full of wheat, fully grown. And we're, God, send revival. He's like, you're in revival. Y'all ain't going to preach me on this. Lord, come on, send the souls. They're all around you. Go to lunch today. You'll be surrounded by a lot. Lord, come on. He's like, why do you keep praying dumb prayers? You asking me to do for you what I've commissioned you to do? I already did my part. I went to the cross so that you could have the life-giving water that would enable you to reap the rewards and the harvest of a city. I've already did my part. You do your part. We're going to do it together. That's why it's called the commission. We do it together. Oh, you, you want me to do it for you? Nope. Nope. Not doing it for you. I've created humanity to bruise the head of the serpent. I get so much glory out of watching you do the works of Jesus. I'm going to be there right with you. I sent the helper. I sent the comforter. Go get the harvest. You guys getting anything out of this so far? So I love the fact that, you know, this lady, she gets saved, which is awesome, but then she also is satisfied. And I love the picture that this woman presents for us of what it looks like to be a fully filled Christian, a fully filled follower of Jesus, a fully filled, fully surrendered, completely full of the life-giving water of Jesus. She gives us a good picture because like I mentioned as we were reading through the text, So oftentimes we find ourselves acknowledging our salvation, but we live life unfulfilled and unsatisfied. Now, you don't have to admit to that today, but I would almost bet that there are some people in here today that know that your salvation is eternally secure, but the way in which you get up every day and, you, and live your life is so bleak, is so shallow, is so depressive, is so sad, is so underwhelming, and is so unsatisfactory that you say, man, thank God I get to go to heaven when I die because I'm just eking my way through this life. I mean, the way I read this text, and I planned a completely different sermon. I want you guys to know I planned a completely different message. And then the Lord was like, no, no, look at that spot. right. Look at that part right there where it says, you say four more months and then the harvest. I want you to look at that. Think about that. You say four more months and then the harvest, but I'm telling you harvest is now. So when you consider your satisfaction, right, look at the woman who was completely fulfilled. Now, she, she had to go from seeking fulfillment in multiple sexual partners. Let that hit home. We have so many Christians who are seeking fulfillment from multiple sexual partners. They're like, hopefully the next guy will satisfy me. Hopefully the next girl will satisfy me. But we're still running on empty. Right? We're, oh, we're looking for it in career. Or we're looking for it from status. And we're still waking up unsatisfied, underwhelmed. She had to go from looking for satisfaction in those things, those external things, kind of like Rick talked about this morning, to receiving the satisfaction, receiving the fullness of the indwelling spirit and the life-giving water that comes from Jesus. So she exchanged that. She went from just you know, looking for satisfaction elsewhere to being saved and satisfied. 
by the life-giving spirit of God. And can I tell you guys, the same water that was poured out for that Samaritan woman on her fifth husband that was seen as a scoundrel that was recognized as the scum of the earth in her city became so satisfied, so filled up, so filled with goodness, so transformed into a different person, so satisfied that when she began to tell her story to the same people who judged her, they said, what are you talking about? I'm curious about what's happened in your life. Who has talked to you? Who has touched you? I thought you went out to get a drink from the well. It seems like you took a drink from a different source. I'm telling you, that's possible. It's possible to both be saved and both be satisfied. But how do we look at satisfaction? I know how I used to look at satisfaction, particularly before I got married. I was like, man, you know, I'll be satisfied one day when I get married. So I'm going to live my life and, 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 you know, like I'll experience some good things, but I will have arrived when I get married. Anybody else in here? For those of you who are single, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I told my wife when I met her, I was like, man, like you are everything I prayed for. You are everything I asked God for. And I remember moments in my bedroom where I was kneeling down on my bed and I said, God, just I don't care who you send me. Just send me somebody. I don't even have to be attracted to her. I'll take one for the team. Like, I, I just, I just, I remember, I remember, I said, Lord, I'll take one for the team. If it's good for the kingdom, come on, Lord. I want to be satisfied. I, I remember, I, I, I seriously, I remember, I remember praying that. I remember, you know, as a kid growing up, I said, one day, one day I'm going to be rich. One day I'm going to be a millionaire. One day I'm going to have this. One day I'm going to have that. And then I'm going to be satisfied. One day, you guys ever, um, there's a dictionary online. I won't tell you the name of it because it's nasty. But I was looking up this slogan, one day. And it popped up. So I tapped on it. And it said this about one day. One day, the definition A euphemistic way of saying never. But how obsessed, how addicted are we to one day? Well, one day I'll make it into the harvest field of my destiny. Well, one day I'll be satisfied completely and I'll live this life with great joy and I will enjoy myself. Well, one day I'm going to get my spirit healed up from all those things that was done to me or said about me. Or one day I'm going to pray enough to get healed of my offense. Well, one day I'm going to start eating the way I know God's been challenging me to as I am in prayer. Well, one day I'm going to forgive that person that I've been feeling like God told me I needed to forgive. Well, one day I'm going to step into my purpose. One day I'm going to step away and let go of these safety nets of a job that I actually hate and step into the purpose that God has been inviting me into for years well one day one day when everything's arranged perfectly let me tell you guys this I'm turning 35 in a month here's what I'm realizing some of you guys 75 65 55 and you know this better than me that if one day doesn't become today one day I'm gonna run out of one days you know what I'm saying one day I'm gonna run out of one days well one day 
And that's what I felt like the Holy Spirit was revealing to me as I was reading through John 4. It was like, you look at one day as the day in which you'll be satisfied, as the day in which you'll be fulfilled, as the day in which you'll have peace, as the day in which you will give yourself permission to experience some joy. Well, one day I won't have to work so hard because one day I'll have it all. And God said, no, 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 you're in the harvest field now. You're in the harvest field of satisfaction now. You're in the harvest field of fulfillment now. You just won't open your eyes to look around and see it. You don't have the eyesight. You don't have the ear. You're not hearing what the Spirit is saying. You're not looking around. You don't have the lens of grace because you got the lens of works. So you're thinking about what you need to sow in order to one day become fulfilled. But what I'm telling you is reap what you didn't sow. Reap what you didn't work for. You're surrounded by it. God, how could you be so good to me? I died for you. This is called grace. No, God, I want to earn it for myself. I want to be a self-made person. Wow. Nope. That's not grace. Amen. That's works. That's not what we've been saved into. You know, some people, you know, they say one day, you know, artists, creatives, you know, I- I'm like y'all, okay? I'm more like that. I'm like, one day, I'm very romantic about the future. Anybody else in here? It's like, I always believe I'm going to have more money. I don't know how I'm going to have it, but I know I'll have enough when I need it. You know, it's like, one day when we get that, I'm going to build that and do that, and I'm going to buy that. And, and I'm like, I have no plans to make more money, but it, I still believe that about the future. <laughs> Right? Like, I'm not putting any effort in. I'm not setting any goals. I'm not making preparations and plans. And, you know, you guys know what I'm talking about. I'm just very romantic about the future. Well, it'll keep getting better. I'm an optimist, okay? The glass is always, like, it's more than half full. It's overflowing full of optimism. I'm like, I just, I believe the best, okay? That's me. Some of you guys are not like that. Some of you guys are very calculated. So you're looking at it like, well, one day I'm going to have this because if I do A and then I add B and I meet C, then it'll equal D and then boom, I will be satisfied. And so I need to make sure that I am strategically executing my plan. So therefore I wake up every single morning, you know, super early and I work really hard and I'm not against setting goals. I'm not against hustling. I'm not against grinding. All I'm saying is, is that you're looking through the lens of works. And what I feel like God wants to say to you is that you need to fix a lens of grace over your eyes. Yes, work toward your dreams. Yes, work toward your goals. Yes, work toward your promises. Yes, work toward your potential. But recognize where you are standing today and not just where you will be one day when you get all the things that you're working for. You are already standing in a harvest called satisfaction. You are already standing in a field called fulfillment. And you have access to it today, not because of anything you've done, but because of what Jesus has done because of grace working in your life there is a harvest available for you that you don't deserve so you know stop putting off fulfillment to one day stop putting off satisfaction to one day and take hold of satisfaction today take hold of fulfillment today yeah you're not everything you're going to be you're not going to have everything you'll have. You're, you're not going to inherit every dream immediately that you're going to inherit throughout your life. But there is so much life-giving Holy Spirit running through your veins. You have everything that you need to live a life fully satisfied, completely fulfilled, and welling over with an abundance of joy right now. But you got to change your lens. You got to change your lens. 
John 4, 35, do not say there yet four months and then comes the harvest. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest now. Jesus tells us that the harvest is here now. Now. Everybody say now. 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 God just works on a different timetable than us, doesn't he? How many guys know God created time and he knows the end from the beginning? He knows the beginning from the end. That's the way that was supposed to come out. He's the alpha and the omega. He's the author and the finisher. He knows your story before you even born, right? Like his timetable is different from us. He works differently than we work. God gives us something that we desperately need and something that we can only receive from him, which is grace. And it is divine grace that enables great harvest to be, to be available to you today. So here's what I'm asking you to do. Change the way that you think and look at, man, one day I'll get there and and look at today and say, I'm here. If you're walking in intimacy with the Lord, you're right where you're supposed to be. Let me try this side. If you're walking in intimacy with the Lord, you're right where you're supposed to be. Walking connected closely and intimate with Jesus guarantees that you'll end up exactly where you're supposed to be. We started the whole thing off with Matthew 6 and 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all things will be added to you. Right? Your destiny is not a place. Your destiny is not an income bracket. Your destiny is not a promotion. Your destiny is not a city. Your destiny is not a zip code. Your destiny is not a tax bracket. Your destiny is a person, and his name is Jesus. And so if you walk with Jesus, it guarantees that you will end up precisely in the exact spot you're supposed to be, rolling with the exact people you're supposed to roll with. So let me give you guys a few points. John 4, 26, 28 and 29 said this. Jesus said to her, uh, I who speak to you am he. He revealed himself as the Messiah. So the woman left her water jar, went away into the town, said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? Now, what I want you guys to recognize here, I'm gonna give you guys two quick points. What I want you to recognize here is the response of the woman. And I also want you to recognize Jesus's response to the Father. There, you know, you don't see it pop out at you at first reading. But what we're recognizing here is this, is that your response, Jesus responded, right? I have bread you know not of. The woman responded, a whole city is harvested. There is a response that is weaved its way through the text. And here's the thing about response. Your response is connected to your harvest. Your response is connected to your harvest. Now, you're going to get things you don't deserve. You're going to get an inheritance that other people paid for. But the harvest that God wants to give you is connected in your response. Jesus says, hey, a harvest is available. It's right here. You're standing in it, but you've got to respond if you want to see it. You've got to make one day today. Not only did the woman respond to Jesus, but then Jesus responds to God. Verse 32 and 34, meanwhile, the disciples were urging him saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you don't know about. Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Jesus understood something we must understand is that man doesn't live by bread alone. 
We don't live by bread alone. We live by every word that proceeds. The King James, which I love, says, proceedeth out of the mouth of God, right? And I love that language. You know why? Because it's a current word. It's a now word. It's a now be aware of the harvest that is here. Not live off the leftovers that I spoke to you about 10 years ago. Right? God spoke to the Israelites. He said, hey, don't eat the manna that I left yesterday. But so many Christians today are trying to survive and be sustained off of an old word that God gave them over a decade ago. But we must live currently with God so that we can see the current harvest that we're living in. We're not living on bread alone. We're living by the words that continually proceed out of the mouth of God. That current word, that updated word, that today word, that now harvest word. Not yesterday's word, right? And here's the second point. Not only is your response connected to your harvest, but your obedience. Your obedience is connected to your harvest. Your obedience is connected to your harvest. Obedience to God brings spiritual satisfaction. Obedience to God brings spiritual satisfaction. You don't have to wait on one day for your external circumstances to line up just right when you're obedient to God. You can still experience joy. You know why? Because joy is not just an experience. Joy is not just an emotion. Joy is a fruit. It's a fruit of the Spirit. And so anytime you're connected to the Lord and you're obedient to Jesus, you can have the overwhelming, all-fulfilling fruit of joy operational in your life. You can always have joy regardless of your circumstances so long as you stay connected and obedient. I've told you guys this before, but I love to share this with people because when I sit down with folks over coffee and we talk and they say, man, I'm just so bored. I'm so bored with church. I'm so bored with my faith. I'm so bored with the Bible. So you're not bored. You're just disobedient. Because if you obey God, I'll promise you this, your life will get adventurous really quickly. Because he'll have you out in a harvest field somewhere, reaping a harvest that you didn't sow for, and you're just like, whoa, there's so many amazing things coming. Souls, wow, okay, yep, transformation in this neighborhood. Man, my friends are getting restored. Wow, marriages around me are starting to be trans. Wow, I'm seeing all these amazing things. I'm obedient to God, and the harvest is plentiful. You guys with me? So I'm going to invite the worship team to come back and just close with a few more thoughts. God has given us a supernatural grace to respond and to obey to this word that he gives us in John chapter four, that we're living in a harvest today. Everybody say today. That we're living in a harvest right now. Everybody say right now. That we're not waiting on one day so that we could reap a reward for who we are in Jesus. That day is today. And we need to update ourselves on that. Every good thing that God wants to do in your life is not allocated to the future. God wants to do good things in your life right now, today. He's not waiting on you just to line up and, you know, you know, get disciplined enough and be so perfect in your behavior that he decides to bless you. If that's the way I bless my kids, I never bless my kids. I mean, Isaiah came into our room last night at 3 a.m., kicked me in the forehead, flipped to the other side, headbutted me in the back, kicked Allison in the forehead. You know, if I waited on him to behave perfectly, like, I would never bless that boy, you know? But guess what he gets to live in? A harvest. A home. Comfort. 
protection, peace, Pringles. He loves them. But he gets to live in that. Is that because he worked for that money? Is that because he earned an income? Is that because I sent him to a nine to five and he did all the right things to make sure that he ate? No, he's reaping a reward that he didn't pay for. He's, he's reaping a harvest that he didn't sow any seed for. And that's the same way that the father sees you. We're thinking, man, I got to do all this. I got to get all this. He said, you're already in a harvest field. You're going to sow. You're going to reap. You're going to work. You'll, you'll plan and set goals and you'll dream. You'll do that stuff. But the harvest is here right now. Satisfaction is there. It is right there. Right there for you right now. Fulfillment is there for you right now. There, there's souls that are around you for you to bring into the family of God. To grow the kingdom of God right now. Everything great that God wants to do in your life is not just being allocated to the future. It is time, guys, that we develop a value for urgency. You know, to steward urgency requires some maturity. I was talking to a friend this week and, 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 and I was, you know, telling him, man, like, you got to get serious about right now. You guys hear it? That was a firework. We also do that. But you got, you got to get urgent about right now. You guys ever heard this before so responsibility the word responsibility you know responsibility exposes maturity the word responsibility is really two words it's response ability what is your ability to respond to the word of God over your life what is your ability to respond with a sense of urgency over the truth that there is a harvest that has encircled you, that is ready to be reaped for the reward of the kingdom of Jesus. What is our response? It takes some maturity to respond with urgency. But we are a part of a family that is devoted to growing as disciples and in disciples. So let's pray together. Stand again, please. I just want you to put it on your heart now to respond. If you're here today and you need to respond by coming home to Jesus, maybe for the first time or maybe for the first time in a long time, if you don't mind, if you're here today and you're far from God, with every eye closed just for a moment, if you're far from God and you need to come home right now, you need to repent of your sins and come back into the kingdom of Jesus or come into the kingdom of Jesus for the first time. Would you just lift your hand? I just want to pray with you right now. We always want to make space for response. Awesome, I see you. Anybody else in here? Awesome, I see you. Amazing. Anyone else in here? I just, we're, we're going to make space for response. Come on, respond. If you need to respond, respond. So everybody just say, Jesus, I repent of my sins and I turn to you. I belong to you for the rest of my life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Fill me with righteousness. I am yours in Jesus' name. Now for every single person in here, just put your hand over your heart and say, Jesus, open my eyes to see what's around me right now. Open my eyes. Fill me with gratitude for the harvest that's around me today. Open my eyes. Fill me with thankfulness.
right here, right now. Lastly, I take responsibility for the harvest field that you planted me in. In Jesus' name.